In everything that Victor Pavel did, there had to be a formula, a recognizable plan he could follow, and so, a week before the trip, he had prepared a list of articles he intended taking with him. Now it lay on the bed, alongside the suitcase, which was scruffy and chipped by age and travel, but retained against a replacement because a new one would be cardboard, and the one he had was leather. Pavel had travelled to the West before. He knew the comparisons at airline terminals and the professional assessments of hotel porters. Leather, even battered leather, earned respect, and Pavel had come to enjoy respect. Against each item on his list was a tick, confirming its place in the suitcase. He made one final careful check, then folded the list neatly before discarding it in the wastepaper basket. He closed the case, checking each lock and strap, and placed it near the door, then turned back to the room, inscribing its detail in his mind. The children smiled at him from the double-framed photograph. Georgie had a shy, almost embarrassed look on his face, aware that the army uniform didn't fit properly, and that the bagging collar would annoy his meticulous father. Two thousand miles away, thought Pavel. Two thousand miles from the safety of Moscow, hedged by its missile complex, way down near the Chinese border at Alma-Ata, the tension area, the most dangerous place to be. If trouble came, it would be there, sweeping across the border. What was it Lin Pao had said? We could fight upon the bodies of three million comrades and still win. Something like that. Now Lin Pao had gone, but the Chinese attitude remained. Pavel shuddered. Georgie would be there if it happened, fear destroying that smile. It wouldn't matter then whether the uniform fitted or not. He picked the frame up, rubbing his thumb across his son's image, wiping away imagined dust. Valentina, named after her mother, looked self-consciously at him from the adjoining frame, her face plump from the Russian diet, the expression an artificial grimace before the camera lens she had been unable to forget. He recognized the dress, the white starched cuffs, the severe black skirt. He had been to the academy that day and watched her play, stiff with pride, and accepted the praises of her teachers and bought her champagne in celebration afterwards in the chandelier dining-room of the Hotel Metropole, and almost cried when she had said with the intense, easily bruised sincerity of an eighteen-year-old, I'll be as famous as you one day, Daddy. One day I'll make you proud of me. Impulsively, he kissed both photographs, and then, although it hadn't been on the list, and Valentina would miss it that night, he unlocked his case and slipped the picture folder into the protective wrapping of his other suit. Only another thirty minutes. He turned at his wife's warning. They had been married for nearly thirty years, and she knew to be late upset him and made him snap irritably at the chauffeur. He smiled, recognizing the protection in her voice. Darling Valentina, too much love, too much trust. He felt inadequate, unworthy of her devotion, and the emotion began building up until he had to squeeze his eyes shut. His hands gripped tightly at his sides as he fought for control. He couldn't afford emotion like that, not for a long time. Better hurry, 
she prompted. He began walking to the door, pausing at the glass-fronted cabinet where she had displayed his awards, the meaningless pieces of metal she dusted with so much pride each day, the minor decorations he had forgotten lying like pebbles on a beach, his twice-given Order of Lenin, the certificate of the hero of the Soviet Union. Rubbish, he thought. Worthless tin rubbish.